0: Chapter 22 of King Mambo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. King Mambo by Paul de Chapter 22. A journey to the elephant country. Serious annoyance from flies, wasps, and mosquitoes. In the midst of a drove of hippopotami. I was anxious to go on a long hunting expedition. One day, Rigaldo, Oshira, Ogula, Negula, Kwabi and I were seated under a big tree. I said to them, "We must go and hunt elephants, hippopotami, crocodiles and other big game." This suggestion was received with sonorous grunts of approbation by all of and it was agreed that we should prepare ourselves for a long expedition. The following day, I saw Oshira slyly entering the idol house, and after he had closed the door behind him, I approached the house, and peeping through a crack, I saw he was marking his body with Oshira of different colors. Then he muttered words to the idol that I could not understand. Afterwards, he took from a little box a piece of red ochre, and marked it between his eyes and another mark in the hollow of his chest, and then spoke very fast. He went to another box and took from it a charmed necklace, to which was hung a sort of small iron bell, which was filled with charmed powder, and which he put around his neck when i saw he was ready to come out i retired as quickly as possible for three days great preparations were made for a hunting expedition the wives of the hunters prepared food for us dear ringaldo invoked every evening the spirits of his ancestors to protect us then Galway, our medicine doctor, made incantations for our success and said that we were to be lucky. We started with two canoes, the people following us to the banks of the river. As the day advanced, it became very warm, for there was not a breath of wind on the river. It was a good day for flies. They plagued us sadly, attacking us with great persistency. I was scared. Kept busy all the time, handling my elephant tail to protect myself against them, but when they got between its long, coarse, black hairs, it meant death to them. My eyes had to be everywhere in order to watch them, and my ears very quick to find out where they were flying, but in spite of all my watchfulness, they succeeded in giving me now and then a sting. Suddenly, we would hear a sharp whiz, then the men would shout at once, Look out, there is an Imboli flying around. They were not mistaken, there was an Imboli flying with such rapidity. He was no sooner seen than lost to sight. I kept a sharp lookout for him, ready to strike with my elephant's tail, but I was stung twice by one during the day it was worse than a sting of a bee i had to be quiet for it would not have done for an umgodzi to utter cries of pain but it was very hard sometimes not to do so another fly the aboca of the size of a hornet also quick in its motion gave the severest bite of all my clothes were no protection whatever often the blood ran down the face or body of men that were bitten the fly that annoyed us most was the noctua, which was very numerous we could not tell of its approach for it came unobserved and silently and had inserted its bill so gently that it got its fill of blood before we knew we were bitten Afterwards, the itching began, and it lasted several hours, varied at intervals by certain sharp stabs of pain. We paddled as often as we could under the branches of trees overhanging the water to be protected from the powerful sun. Once, to our utter th- dismay, our canoe went bang into an aleroy nest. The elroyne is a very fierce wasp no flies the natives dread so much the men shouted the alrornes are after us let us get out of the way and we paddled as fast as we could to be out of their reach ogula negula and kwabi seemed to be the men they chiefly attacked these threw themselves in the water they did not think of crocodiles or anything else they kept under water for quite a while and after a time came back on board the bite of the Alornais is very painful it leaves a critic poison which causes pain for two to three days at intervals the poison seems to gather fresh force and the wounds begin to throb that night we slept in our canoes during the night there was a constant howling of wild beasts I thought the forest was full of leopards, hyenas, and unknown fierce creatures. Fortunately, our canoes were anchored far away from the banks, and the hungry animals could not reach or spring upon us. Evidently, they scented us and would have been delighted to make a meal of some of our number. The mosquitoes troubled us so much that we were glad when the morning came. Then we were bothered by the sand flies. These disappeared when the sun became powerful enough to drive them away. The flies that delighted in the sun and the heat of the day took their place. The rivers are far worse than the forest in regards to flies. Suddenly, Oshira, who steered my canoe, shouted, Nungubu's hippopotami ahead. Then, he added, they are in the middle of a stream. Let us go near the shore. The men stopped paddling, and we all looked in the direction which Oshiro pointed. and saw a herd of hippopotami looking like stranded logs in the water, for they did not move. We paddled slowly and noiselessly close to the shore so that the huge beasts could not see us. We came nearer and nearer to them every minute. I counted 22 hippopotami. My attention was suddenly attracted to a part of the river where I heard peculiar loud sounds or grunts. Looking in that direction, I saw two bull hippopotami by themselves, fighting with each other. They rushed towards each other, then disappearing under the water and reappeared again. Their big ugly mouths when open showed us their tusks they attacked with great fierceness lacerating each other's bodies with their crooked tusks finally one was victorious and the other swam away as fast as he could we approached the hippopotami slowly and with caution to within fifty yards of the herd without seeming to attract their attention let us paddle nearer i said to the men We came within twenty-five yards, and then I took Bulldog, and aiming at the ear as one of their vulnerable spots, I fired. The animals sank. I found that it was of no use killing hippopotamus in the water, for they sink to the bottom. The whole herd of hippopotami became much excited at the shot, snorted and plunged under the water, disappearing and reappearing and soon the animals were seen scattered in every direction around us. They dived, and when they rose, some of them came dangerously near. I became fearful that they would upset our canoes, and that if they succeeded in doing so, they would attack us, and their big crooked tusks would sure make short work of our poor bodies. Oshira ordered that we should paddle as fast as we could to get out of their way. One of the hippopotami swam under our canoe, rose about three yards from us. But we kept on our way, untouched, a few miles further upstream. We came to another herd of these unwieldy creatures, sporting and snorting in the water, now popping their huge, unshapely heads out, then diving to the bottom. We passed this herd, and after paddling two or three miles further, We saw two cow hippopotami with their little ones apparently resting on their backs. End of chapter 22